Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. As Julie was talking, the Lord just prompted me that you need to know some things. There are three ways that you can end up in the wilderness. Somebody else's fault, your fault, or, we don't like this one, God sends us there. Let's go back and read Jesus' story. God uses wilderness in our life to prepare us. And, you know, let me just stop here and say this. How many of you have been attending Passion Church for more than two weeks? So let's say about three, four weeks, five, six months, whatever we've been going, okay? Have you noticed a change in the last two Sundays? Oh, we've had some good services in the past, but in the past two Sundays, I really sense that God is doing something new. Can I just tell you what I believe God is doing in our midst? God never inhabits an unprepared place. And we are in the process of renovating across the street, but I don't want to go in there and just maintain. And I believe that what God is doing is He's helping us prepare spiritually so that when we go over there, we're not just moving facilities, we are taking territory. And so I believe that God is preparing us for that, and I'm just excited that you're going with us a little longer than we've been going in praise and worship. We're going to continue until God says stop. I just believe God is helping us break through week after week after week, and we're going to see God move in our midst. We've been talking about transformation over the last two weeks. This is the final week that we'll be talking about that. I've already challenged you that the first transformation that must take place is you've got to change the way you think. It all starts with the way you think. You can change everything else, and if you don't change the way that you think, nothing will change. My mind goes back to, uh, it must have been in the 80s. I watched a movie on TV one time about, uh, maybe it was it Eddie Murphy or somebody that they took, and he was a poor person, and they gave him all this money, but he didn't change the way he thought, you know, and it just didn't fit because his thinking didn't change. Some of you don't fit because your thinking hasn't changed. you got to think different about about yourself, about others, about church. you got to th- think differently about what you think about. Then I challenged you last week that you have a choice to make. You can either be styrofoam or silver. Determine what determines how much you are used by God. What determines that is what how you use your body. Paul says you have to be either a vessel of honor or dishonor. So how you use your hands, how you use your mouth, where your feet take you determines whether you are a vessel of honor. How many of you went someplace? To, no, I'm not going to ask you to. Come on now, we we. This is more than just sermons. We've got to apply this stuff. Your mouth should be talking differently than it used to talk. Your hands ought to be doing different things than it used, they used to do. Your feet shouldn't go where you used to go if you want to be a vessel of honor. So that brings me to this morning, and I want us to look at this final area of transformation that I believe that God wants to produce in us so that there will be a transformation in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, and ultimately in our world. It starts in you. You don't change other people first. You change you. And so transformation has to take place in our lives. And so we've been looking at some of the writings of Paul as he's been dealing with his son Timothy. And, and so we're going to go back there in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Real simple portion of Scripture. All of you know this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
transformation takes place. In reality, what Paul is doing in this portion of Scripture, he tells us what we have not been given, but he doesn't leave us hanging because he comes back right after that. And he says, you haven't been given this, but you have been given this. And so he lists it out for us and he tells us what kind of spirit should dwell in us. And the first thing he says to us is this, we have not been given a spirit of fear. You have not been given a spirit of fear. The definition of this word fear in the original language means this, faithless dread. How many of you have ever been overcome or overtaken by faithless dread? Right? We've been told by Scripture right here that we are not to live in a, in a spirit of fear, a spirit of dread with no faithful, faithlessness, no, no insecurities, no panics, no anxieties. And yet it seems like as a group of believers all across the world, Christians continue to be inundated by fear. How many of you know there's a huge list of phobias? Right? Uh, I could pick on Tim Hooper. Uh, where is Tim? I've been picking on him because he's scared of heights. And we've been over there on ladders. And, and, and he's been trembling at the top of the ladder. He's scared of heights. I'm scared of heights. It's fear. Some of the other ones I, I looked up. These are, some of these are funny. Tetraphobia. You know what that is? Fear of the number four. Isn't that crazy? There are people that have a fear of the number four. Uh, how about this one? Uh, panophobia. That's fear of everything without knowing why. I'm just scared of everything, and I really don't know why. Uh, this one, uh, gynophobia or genophobia, has a, a fear of women. That one's kind of weird, isn't it? How about this one? Uh, genocurrency phobia. That's fear that women are going to spend all your money. I made that one up. I made that one up. We're scared. Why? Why as believers are we so overtaken by fear and faithlessness when Paul is saying to us that you are never intended to have a spirit of fear? In other words, what he's really telling us is is this, is if you're afraid, God didn't give you that. If you're operating your life out of a spirit of fear, I'm afraid that I'm not going to make ends meet. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to get the job. I'm afraid I'm not going to overcome. I'm afraid I'm not going to be a success. I'm afraid I'm going to be a failure. I'm afraid I'm going to fall flat on my face. God doesn't give you that. If you have a spirit of fear, guess what? You took it upon yourself. You took it on yourself. So we are not to have a spirit of fear. In fact, this, this one story comes to mind. It's, a, it's an old legend that comes from e- India. There was this mouse that was terrified of cats, totally terrified of cats. And every time a cat would come across his back, it would take off and run and, and, and hide. And finally, this mouse comes across the magician and tells this magician about the fear that he has of cats. So the, the magician said, I can fix that. And he turns the mouse into a cat. And the cat was great until one day he came across the dog and suddenly he was scared of the dog. And so he goes back to the magician and the magician says, no problem, I can fix that. He changes the mouse that was, or the cat that was once a mouse into a dog. And now he's doing really good and the dog is really living a victorious life until suddenly he comes into contact with a tiger. And he runs back to the magician and says, I'm a dog now. I was a mouse. I was a cat. Now I'm a dog, but I'm afraid of a tiger now. So can you help me? He says, sure, I'll turn you into a tiger. Poof, you're a tiger. And he's walking around as a tiger until one day he comes in contact with a hunter. And he runs back to the magician and says, I need your help. I'm a tiger, but now I'm afraid of a hunter. And the magician says this. He says, I refuse to help you. I will make you into a mouse again. For though you have the body of a tiger, you still have the heart of a mouse. How many of you 
that have been told by Scripture, not by Pastor Steve, not by some theologian somewhere, but by the very Word of God, that God has not given you the spirit of fear, that you are to have the spirit of a tiger, that you are to have the spirit of faith, that you are to have the spirit of victory in your life, but you're still walking around. Even though you're supposed to have the heart of a tiger, you're still walking around like a mouse. Can't believe for anything. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, are you a man or are you a mouse? Okay, I know you want to sing. Come on. M-I-C-K-E-Y. There you go. Some of you sitting next to Mickey Mouse right now. They're, they're, they're scared to death. Why are we overtaken by fear? Well, I, listen, this morning I want to help you. In Isaiah chapter 2 or 12 verse 2 it says this. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For, for Jehovah, even Jehovah, is my strength and my song and he is become my salvation. You don't have to be afraid. You can trust Him. I need you to take some strength in Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 through 3. I want to read it to you out of the Message Bible. It's powerful. Light, space, zest, that's God. So with Him on my side, I am fearless. I'm afraid of no one and nothing. When vandal hordes ride down, ride, ride down ready to eat me alive, those bullies and toughs fall flat on their faces. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. How many of you are calm, cool, and collected all the time? He's saying that when God is on our side, you don't have to be afraid of your boss. You don't have to be afraid of your neighbor. You don't have to be afraid of your spouse. You don't have to be afraid of your best friend. You don't have to be afraid of your worst enemy. You don't have to have nightmares. You don't have to have stomach problems because you're always nervous. You don't have to have high blood pressure because you're always wigging out. You can have calm, cool, collected living because God has not given us the spirit of fear. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. You know, Jesus said that all the time. Don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Then Paul goes on and he says this. I want you to notice this, that in this portion of Scripture, he says, don't have the spirit of fear, but then as a foregone conclusion that we already have it. You, now, you've got to understand this here. As a foregone conclusion stating to us, you already have this living in you. You don't have to go out and get it. You don't have to go work it up. You don't have to pray it down. You don't have to fast for it. You don't even really have to believe for it. He's just saying whether you like it or not, not God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he has given you this spirit. There is a spirit residing in us that we must begin to walk in, and it is the spirit that already exists in us when we come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and accept Him as our Lord and Savior. Instantly, this spirit that Paul begins to talk about lives and resides in us, and we just have to operate in it. So, up until this point, I've talked to you about that you need a transformation of your mind so it'll change the way you think, that you need a transformation in your body so you'll use your body differently. differently. But how many of you know that that is tough? How many of you tried to beat a thought life on your own, willpower? Did you fall flat miserably, right? But yet I've told you that you have a responsibility to take every thought captive, right? And then how many of you have struggled with something in your body? You, you've used your body in a way that you shouldn't, and it's a habit and maybe an addiction that I've been trying to break, and I want to break it, and I, and I really do. I have a lot of willpower, but I keep, I, I keep driving past Starbucks, and something calls at me, and, and I have to pull in and get a white chocolate mocha, whether I really want to or not. You know what I'm saying. How many of you tried to beat that on willpower alone? It's tough. Paul understood that. He said, even when I want to do good, even though I know to do good, and I want to do good, 
I still struggle and I don't do good. So I'm saying to you that you have a responsibility to to take every thought captive and beat your own body into subjection, according to Paul. But then I'm also stating to you that there is good news that Paul comes right behind that and says, but God's going to help you because he's putting in you power to be able to overcome all this stuff. And this is what he does. He says, first, you have a spirit of love. We need a transformation in our spirit. Paul is saying that resident in us is that a spirit of love. He doesn't say you should have love or you might have love. He just states it, states it emphatically. You have a spirit of love about you. And, uh, and Jesus said it like this. The world will know that you're my disciples. Why? Because you have love one for another. He doesn't say you'll know that they'll know you're my disciples because you put the Passion Church sticker on the back of your car doesn't say that you'll have love, that they'll know you're my disciples because you have a fish on your bumper. doesn't say that because you can dance and because you can sing and because of our lights and because of our smoke. None of that. He says the thing that will set you apart and let everybody know that you're mine is there will be a spirit of love operating in you so that people will say there is something different about that guy right there because he loves everybody and I can't figure it out why. Love. So, what I'm saying to you is this. We will know that we have had a transformation overtake us when we love each other so much that we will refuse to hurt one another even when the chance and the opportunity, opportunity is readily available. Should I say that again? We will love one another and refuse to hurt one another even when the chance and the opportunity is readily available. That's good right there. You ought to write that. Yeah. You know when we'll know that we've had a transformation overtake our lives? When we turn the other cheek. When was the last time you saw that? You do me wrong. Come on now. I've seen some of you. You talk bad about me. You touch my kids. You, you. Hey, I'm just telling the truth. We have forgotten that our Savior, our example, went to Calvary. And was slapped and spit upon and never said a word. We do not have the right or the liberty to step beyond what he did. We are to be marked by love. We should learn to turn the other cheek. It is a witness. It is a testimony that we are different. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're a freak. How many? I I got kids wanting to holler at their parents right now. Parents want, hey, the truth is. In, in our society, anybody that turns the other cheek is a freak. We are to be different. We should know that, that their transformation has been uh, to overtaken us when, when love will determine what we say and what we won't say. You can find things to say about me all day long. I can find things to say about you too, though. But we choose not to. Why? Because love... We have a spirit of love operating in us. We'll know that we've been transformed when we have this spirit of love. When people who have never been accepted in their whole life can walk in here and instantly feel accepted and feel like they're part of the body when nobody else would have the time of day for them, we'll know we've been transformed. I'm getting ready to get in your mess right now. We will know that we've been transformed by love when we can go do an outreach into a community 
when everybody in the community looks different than us, talks different than us, dresses different than us, smells different than us, is a different color than us, listens to different kind of music than us, and we can still love them just as we much love, uh, as much as we enjoy hanging out with everybody in here because they kind of fit in our little clique and our little club and we kind of like them. We can be just as comfortable in that apartment complex as we can hold up in a sanctuary somewhere because we've been overtaken by love. The second thing he says is this, not only will you be marked by love, but you will have a spirit of power. The word power here means abundance, ability, and meaning. That's what the word actually literally means. Dunamis, he's given you abundance, ability, and meaning. He desires, and what he's saying to us is he desires to transform our weak carnal spirit into a spirit of power, power to talk, power to walk, power to live victoriously, power to overcome temptations, power to overcome addictions and failures. We are to be endued with power on high, dunamis, power to have abundance and meaning. You're looking at me like you don't understand what I'm saying. We walk too weak. We fall too easily. We give up too soon. There is power operating in us. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. What he is saying to us this morning is this, is those without power should be the ones that are floundering, not us. We shouldn't be the ones wandering around aimlessly, not knowing what to do with our life and not being able to figure out how to live our life. Everybody around us that doesn't know Jesus ought to be wishy-washy up and down. We ought to be able to sell tickets on their ride up and down. They're like a roller coaster. But that should not be the descriptive thing about us. We should be strong and sure-footed and walking straight line, knowing where we're going. Power. We will know that we have been transformed when we are no longer wishy-washy. We'll know that we've been given power when we're not just scraping by spiritually. If I can just get enough of God on Sunday morning to hold me to Wednesday night, and then if I can come to Wednesday night and just get enough of God to hold me to next Sunday morning, then I can hang on. That is not the kind of lifestyle that God has called us, spiritual experience that He's called us to. He is calling us to a spiritual experience where we operate and live in abundance of power. Jesus said this, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. When was the last time that you saw anybody living in abundant life? Oh, we see people living life. We just don't see any abundant life. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who, listen to this, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will even do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. In other words, Jesus said this to us, you will do more than I did. Do I need to remind you what Jesus did? He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He raised dead people. He healed sick people. He cast out demons. He gave hope where there was no hope. He brought peace where there was no peace. He interrupted funerals. Come on now. He says that we have so much power flowing in us that we should be doing greater things than he did. When's the last time you turned your Dr. Pepper into, come on now, When's the last time you went into a place where there was no hope and you produced hope? When's the last time you walked into a situation where there was no peace and when you walked in the room, everybody went, whew. Come on now, that's the life we're supposed to be living. We have been given a spirit of power, a spirit of abundance, a spirit of victory, a spirit of meaning. We should be walking in greater than what Jesus walked in. I'm ready to see some of you walk in greater than Jesus walked in. 
I'm ready for some of you to multiply the lack. Where there's lack, you walk in and you bring multiplication and you bring abundance. I'm, hey, listen, listen, we are called to that. That's how we're supposed to be living every day of our life. I don't want to see you struggling. I want to see you victorious. Because how can you help people around you that are struggling if you're struggling? Physician, heal thyself. How, how can I come to you and talk to you about your thought life if my thought life is whacked? How can I come to you and talk to you? You can make ends meet. God will help you come through if you can't make ends meet and you don't have any hope. Come on, I'm preaching real good right now. Hear me this morning. We have been called to operate in power, not in lack. We are to be walking victorious. We are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We just need to start acting like it and living like it and quit buying the lie of the enemy that we can't make it. We can make it and we ought to be more than just making it. We ought to be doing really good. Then he says this. He says, you should have the spirit, or you do, not you should. You have, hear me, you have a spirit of a sound mind. A sound mind, a more accurate translation is this. A spirit of self-discipline. There's that dirty word again we talked about last week. I cussed again right in the middle of service. Michelle had a dream that I cussed in church. I just did. I said discipline. Oop. We talked about this last week, but here I'm saying to you, is it not just about you beating yourself up and, and getting control of your own life? He is saying that operating resident in us is the spirit of self-discipline so that we can take every thought captive, so that we can walk out of the movie theater when there's something in there we don't need to see, when we can change the channel on the radio when they're saying things we shouldn't say, listen to, where we can break off relationships that are pulling us down. When we can't leave the magazine in the rack at the store. Have I hit you yet? When we can't walk away from the addiction that we're, have we been part of. When we can't walk out of the conversation when it turns a direction we know we shouldn't be talking about. There is resident in us a spirit of self-discipline so we can live a life that is holy and pleasing unto God. It is residing in us. So, here's the deal. There's this still small voice in us. It's the voice of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It comes several ways. One, it comes in our conscience. Unless your conscience has been seared with a hot iron like the Bible talks about, there should be a conscience, an innate thing in you that God has placed in you that lets you know what's right from wrong. But not only that, there's the voice of God, the Holy Spirit that will come along and convict you when you're in areas that you should not be in. We should have a spirit of self-discipline. We just need to listen to the voice. You know what, you know what the Holy Spirit is? He's the referee. You're out of bounds. That's exactly what should happen. The only deal is, is it's not that loud. Uh, John thought Francis Pike showed up at church, didn't you? That's the inside joke. Me and John are having a laugh right there. Come on now. We think, we think that the Holy Spirit's going to stand up and go, No, don't do it. No, it's a still small voice. It's not even as loud as this whistle. But that's exactly what happens. Is right in the middle of this thing I'm getting ready to do. The Holy Spirit will blow the whistle and say, Nope, you can't do that. Here's the problem. We've learned to drown that voice out. And when he says no, we go, oh, well, you, you know, it's not that big a deal. Just one time won't hurt me. I've done this before. It's no big. And we drown it out, and suddenly there's no voice left. 
I'm telling you this morning that in you, hear me, young people hear me, adults hear me, inside of you right now, resident, Paul didn't say you have to go to some altar and pray for it and fast for it and dig it up. No, inside of you there's this spirit that operates that will teach you what's right and wrong and help you to know how to live. And you can walk in self-discipline. Why? Because if you handle your body correctly, you can be used by God. It's in you. Now, let me, let me just stop right here and I'm going to end. I'm going to tell you this. The key to all this transformation that we've talked about, mind, body, spirit, is the key for that is all found in one place. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I hope you caught the key word. It's a huge word. Two letters. But if, say I got an amen. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Listen, is it there? Does that spirit dwell in you? That, that word dwell means this, to have a fixed position. In other words, it, if that spirit is constant in you and it has a constant in you and has a fixed position, doesn't just show up on Sunday morning when worship is really kicking. Doesn't just show up when you're hanging out with your Christian friends. There is a spirit that dwells in you. It has a fixed position in you so that every morning when you wake up, the spirit is there. And every evening when you go to bed, the spirit is there. If that same spirit, that it, if it dwells in you, has a fixed position in you, it will quicken you. It will empower you. It will strengthen you. It will produce transformation in you. You can't get away from it. It is dwelling in you. The key word there is if. Is it there? You've seen the Gatorade commercials. Is it in you? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, is it in you? That spirit of Christ has to dwell in you. You have to give him a fixed position. So what does transformation look like? Real quickly, go ask Simon. Simon had transformation in his mind. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Simon speaks up and says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. And flesh and blood hadn't given you this revelation. This is a revelation of God. And Peter's mind changes. His perception changes. And suddenly, Simon becomes Peter because he has a transformation in his mind. How about Saul? Saul didn't use his vessel properly. He used his hands to kill Christians, his feet to chase Christians, his mouth to belittle Christians. And suddenly on the Damascus road, he has an, an experience and an encounter with God. And everything changes and he becomes a vessel of honor. And Saul becomes Paul. He has transformation. And then you go into the New Testament and you read about the demon-possessed man who's filled with a legion of demons, living in fear, living in a graveyard, scared to death, mind all messed up. He has an encounter with Jesus and in one moment his spirit changes. And the Bible says they find him clothed and in his right mind. Why? Because he was filled with a spirit of love and power and a sound mind when transformation overtook him. Now I'm saying to you this morning is, that, is this. We must be transformed because we are called to be transformers. Hear me, I'm bringing this all down right here. In, I'm going to summarize it for you right now. God wants to work all this change. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you use your body. He wants to change your spirit. Not so that we can have good services on Sunday morning. He wants to do all that in you and produce all, in, all that in you so that you can leave this place and become transformers in the world that you live in. But you can't change them until you've been changed.
So we must be changed. I want you to stand with me this morning. What have we been given? We have not been given a spirit of fear. Get over your fear. Get over your fear. I'm scared of snakes. I don't plan on going playing with snakes anytime soon. But I don't have to live in a fear of snakes where I'm scared to get out of my bed because I'm afraid what's coming out from under them. I did that when I was a kid. I'd have bad dreams and I wouldn't, my, hand, my arm would be hanging off my bed and I'd pull it up real quick because I thought there was, come on now. How many of you have ever done that? I've done that. But I don't live there anymore. Why? Because I don't have a spirit of fear. What do I have? I have a spirit of love. I can love everybody. Whether they look like me, act like me, dress like me, talk like me, I can love them. Do me wrong, I can still love you. Talk bad about me, guess what? I may not enjoy it, but I can still love you. Slap me across my face, I'll bleed, but I'll still love you. I I have a mandate by God to love you. I'm marked by a spirit of love. I'm marked by a spirit of power. I can walk in authority. Listen, you don't have to struggle. Quit buying this lie. I think most of us as teenagers, we bought this lie at church camps. How many of you went to church camps? Uh, four of you okay yeah about six of you went to church camp there's this lie that we buy at camp and that's this we get really close to God that week and then we lose it and then a year later if we're still alive we go back and we get it again and then we lose it and we bought this idea that this is our Christian walk it doesn't have to be that way let me let me show you what it should be like it ought to be on a constant climb that wasn't a salute to Hitler by the way that was that was a constant climb that was okay all right? We're on a constant climb. All right? We're growing in power. What you struggled with this week, you shouldn't struggle with next week. Somebody's still struggling with the same things you struggled with 15 years ago. What's up with that? Where's the spirit of power? I'm preaching to me right now. You don't have to struggle with what you've always struggled with. You can have power in your own life. And you can have a spirit of a sound mind, self-discipline, so that you can walk in victory. Father, I pray that you would produce transformation in this congregation and in these people. God, we truly do want to be transformers. We truly do want to make an impact and a mark on our community and the society that we live in. We, We truly have a desire to make an impact so that when people encounter us, that they will be become engaged by your spirit to the point that they will want to change. But God, we testify to the fact this morning that the transformation must first start here. Change my mind. I don't want to think like I've always thought. Change my body. I don't want to do what I've always done with my mouth and my feet and my hands God, my cry this morning is this, holiness. Holiness before you, oh God. I pray that, God, you would begin to mark me with the right kind of spirit, the spirit of love, the spirit of power, the spirit of a sound mind, self-discipline. God, I pray that when the whistle goes off, when the whistle goes off, I will stop and I will listen. In fact, God, that's my prayer this morning. I don't know why you've led me to get attached to that point, but this morning I pray that the the whistle would become loud again. God, let the whistle become loud again. There are folks under the sound of my voice 
that they've heard the whistle so long and so often that they've learned to ignore it and they've become immune to it. Father, this morning I pray that you would deal with us and let the whistle become loud again. Shockingly loud. Deafening where we can't ignore it any longer. And instantly, you won't have to blow it twice. Instantly, we will turn and go the other direction. Transform us, oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you take the hand of the person next to you right now? Father, right now, we are agreeing together. Your word teaches us that there's power in agreement. We agree with one another right now that we will be different from this moment forward. The issues of powerlessness that we've been struggling with, that my brother or my sister's been struggling with, will be overcome right now. They will not fall and falter to the thing that they've always fallen to produce strength in them. Come on, just begin to pray strength into your neighbor right now. Father, I pray strength into my neighbor right now. Make them strong. Make them stronger than they've ever been right now. I pray the roller coaster ride would end in their life and they would level out and begin to climb in your presence, oh God, and climb in strength. Make them strong. Father, I pray that you'd give the person whose hand I'm holding right now, I pray that a spirit of self-discipline would overtake them. That area that they've been struggling in self-discipline, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that a sound mind would overtake them and they would become self-disciplined in that area right now. Every habit broken, every addiction broken, every shortcoming broken right now, every failure overcome right now, produce in us, produce in us self-discipline so that there will be a different spirit about us that people long for. In Jesus' name. This is how we're going to end this morning. We are to be marked by a spirit of love. Even in a crowd this size, we tend to go deal deal with and talk to the same people every week. You know, the truth is, some of you don't even know each other's names. That's pretty scary. But some of you don't even know each other's names. You're supposed to have a spirit of love. How can you love one another if you don't even know each other's names? I want you to take about three or four minutes. And I want you to demonstrate a transformation in your spirit. And I want you to go to people you do not know. You didn't come in with them. They didn't ride in your car. They live on the opposite side of town of you. They have a different look than you. They don't dress like you dress. They are a different color than you are. They wear funky hats like Seth Nixon. I like your hat, Seth. I couldn't wear it, but I like it. I want you to find people that are out of your comfort zone and love on them. Just for a minute. Love on them. And then you're dismissed. God bless you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.